Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, an insider's look at our local economy. I think a lot of people do see D.C. as an, an area where your voice is heard at an amplified level. I mean, uh, arguably, that's a that's a big uh, theme of last year's election. A lot of people feel like their voices weren't heard, and then they made their voices heard. The economy affects everyone, entrepreneurs, business owners, people looking for employment. There is a smell in the air. It may be the smell of change, good or bad, in the greater Washington region. To discuss that with me is Michelle Jamrisco. She is U.S. economy reporter from Bloomberg, and she recently delved into what's going on in the greater Washington region's economy. Michelle, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start with this. What's the current state of our regional economy? What did you learn? Well, you know, it's not too bad. Um, one thing that we should point out from the start is that it's uh, typically counter-cyclical, which means, you know, whatever is going on in the national economy, uh, D.C. is usually a little bit of the opposite or a little bit different. So we find in, in tough times nationally, a lot of people flock to the region for, for jobs because they're reliable on the, uh, the government sector for, for jobs and associated sectors. So things aren't going too bad. Uh, the national economy is going pretty well, and D.C. is going pretty well. Uh, but one of the struggles that it's having is this kind of transition from being very reliant on those federal sector jobs to kind of trying to wean itself off. So in recent years, we've seen a lot of millennials come in. A lot of other sectors of work kind of uh, grow a little bit, like retail and restaurants. Uh, but the painful transition means that this region is trying to get much more diversity in those jobs. So we want kind of more high growth jobs in higher skilled sectors. And that's a real challenge. Well, when you describe the, the demographic trend, my understanding is that at least until recently, millennials were coming to this region in larger numbers than they were leaving. Mm -hmm. I've heard that that trend is changing, though. Yeah, it's it, certainly the millennial boom that we talked about for the past few years is certainly fading. And there's a number of reasons that economists are pointing to for that. I mean, one is partly cyclical, right? I mean, a lot of people, again, if they came here, especially younger workers, uh, after the recession, when, when jobs were so scant and opportunities were so scant, they're now kind of uh, seeing a little bit more options. Maybe they, they look at San Francisco or Denver or, or cooler cities, and, you know, Chicago, Boston, whatever. Um, so there's there's less of an attraction for that age group especially. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we're, we're trying to see if, if there's other sectors that maybe can pick up the pace. So we'll see if, if D.C. is able to kind of bring those folks back. But millennials are, are not as attracted to this area as they were, but still at a fairly high level. So there's been a lot of efforts made over the last five years to make D.C. more of a, an innovative culture. Mm -hmm. Many accelerators, I counted recently in a survey I did, over 128 accelerators, incubators yeah. in the region. Yeah. Governments invested in a lot of different things. When you actually went off and you spoke with people as part of the story, have all those efforts really made a difference from the standpoint of creating jobs, or is a lot of it still just arm-waving? I think a lot of it right now is not yet. I mean, you know this just as well. I mean, it's hard to find people who are really excited to come to this region for entrepreneurial reasons. I mean, uh, you know, the services sector is thriving in, in part because of those government contracts and, and you know, the, the things that they feed off because the federal government is here. Um, but, you know, D.C. isn't really thought of as that city that is the next Silicon Valley. I mean, in a number of reasons for that. A lot of small businesses talk to me as well about, you know, just the regulations, the onerous kind of, um, you know, the, the feeling here that we always want to be the first to do paid leave or the first to do other, uh, you know, overtime rules and things that benefit workers, which businesses say, great, we we're all for these things, but let's do them in a way that makes sense for business as well. And I think 
they're seeing a little bit of a, you know, an unevenness here that doesn't help attract people who want to get the next big idea and, and promote a product uh, that would be new to the region, to the country. You know, that's a phenomenon we see around the country. It's the tension, it's the minimum wage conversation, sure. it's the tension around benefits, whether the yeah. Affordable Care Act is a good or bad thing. And so you have a region that has three different political jurisdictions, arguably three different right. approaches to these issues. But yet, I came to this region myself back in 1979 because I wanted to be where I could affect and make change. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting question whether I accomplished my life mission right. or not. But <laughs> don't you think that people come here because they want to make a difference more than other regions? Yeah, well, that is an interesting question. I mean, I think a lot of people do see D.C. as an, an area where your voice is heard at an amplified level. I mean, <laughs> arguably that's a that's a big uh, theme of last year's election. A lot of people feel like their voices weren't heard and then they made their voices heard. Mm -hmm. um, but in D.C., it's a it's a different conversation. And I think, you know, the, thinking about how that kind of translates into policy, sometimes those levers, uh, you know, if not broken, are a little bit rusty. A lot of people talk in D.C. about how, you know, they want to do this or that. But by virtue of the way the D.C. government is set up, I mean, Congress still holds, you know, legitimate veto power over things the council wants to do. So it's very hard to kind of get things, even if the city is in line and even if the region is in line with an idea, it's it's very hard to get all those uh, people on the same page and then to get it to just clear the, the normal governmental process. It's interesting because you just talk about D.C. where Congress has an effect a, a veto or effectively mm -hmm. a way to look at how D.C. operates. But by the same token, I've spent a lot of time in Virginia, Maryland politics. I tell you, the folks in Annapolis sure. and the folks in Richmond look at our issues very differently yeah, because exactly. uh, of their own uh, issues. So in a lot of ways, this region faces a big challenge if it needs to retool because mm -hmm. the people that are closest to the problem don't necessarily have free sway to solve the problems. Absolutely. And, and that's actually an interesting point, too, in terms of the city versus the wider region. I mean, I was reminded throughout the reporting of this story that maybe the city wants to do one thing, especially the the politics and, and the political uh, makers, movers and shakers. Um, but the, the surrounding areas, maybe not so much the same. And the demographics are very different. So things I think back to kind of all the metro discussions and expanding the metro system. As you know, I mean, Virginia, Maryland, D.C. weren't really on the same page for a long time. It takes a lot of effort to just get those three jurisdictions uh, together. And, and it appears in a lot of ways there's a current crisis now because they can't resolve what sure, to do. Sure. So as you went out and you looked at things, it mm -hmm. sounds to me like what you learned is that notwithstanding diversification, a lot of the diversification has been in service-related jobs that some way mm -hmm. take advantage of the proximity to wealth created by the federal government. Yes. When you talk with people is there a plan to actually create high-value-added jobs that have nothing to do with the government? Well, there's there's different ways of looking at this. I think the um, certainly the the mayor's office. Uh, after I published this story, they they kind of sent me along. Uh, you sent me this economic growth plan that the mayor has, and of course, you know, they, there are efforts to kind of change this. I think one one way they kind of do it through the back end is through the housing issue, um, and this, of course, all these things are kind of interconnected and in trying to make a more diversified thriving economy. So housing is a huge issue right now. We need more affordable housing in the city. Um, homelessness is at a, a you know, really high level. Uh, by by any measure, it's kind of some of the worst in the country in terms of levels and rates of homelessness. And that kind of feeds into all the other problems. So they are spending, the council is spending uh, what, what some people call unprecedented amounts of, of money on trying to get affordable housing more uh, throughout the city, especially as we have 
different areas of the city being built up and and having housing prices kind of blown out of control. And that hopefully will help people, you know, help trickle down to people who can kind of afford more affordable housing and then get into the economy in in ways that will kind of build up from a low-skill economy into a higher-skilled economy. And have you heard any plans focusing on company creation or job creation rather than affordable housing? Um, you know, I think there is some effort, especially through the chamber, to kind of get more of a conversation around that. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly how far they've been able to move on that. It's, it does seem in a lot of senses more kind of in a conversation phase uh, right now. Um, but there are, you know, there are people that are pushing for kind of moving, uh, especially the reputation of D.C. into kind of a new uh, a new phase, if you will, and not not so much, oh, this is just a government town, Fortune One town, as some people call it. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next six to 12 months, particularly budgetary priorities shrink the federal government. Sure. Michelle Jamrisco, U.S. economy reporter for Bloomberg. It was great to have you with us today, sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you. The indications are this region will face some challenges for growth as we head into 2017. The people you hear on this show are the folks who are going to make the difference and make things happen. So thanks for listening to this episode of What's Working in Washington. Remember, our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online contributors are Michael Hoffman and Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two bands here in the D.C. region, Two Car Living Room and The Sunbathers. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and don't forget to rate the podcast that helps us spread the word about the interesting stories we're telling on what's working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. See you next time.